Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today on What Chaos, Elliot Friedman joins to discuss the changes in Edmonton. The Patrick Kane sweepstakes could be coming to an end, so we discuss where he might go and if we care. Is Connor Bedard already one of the best players in the NHL? And Alexi Lafreniere, is he busting out or is he still a bust? Press every button you possibly can anywhere near you. Chaos! November 13th, what chaos, DJ Bean, Keith Blackburn, busy old weekend in the NHL, busy old weekend for our friendship, we went to a concert over the weekend, how are you Peter? I'm great, we saw uh, my favorite band in the world last night, the 1975. Big hockey band, for those wondering, I did not get an invite. You did get an invite. That's bullshit. (laughs) We invited Sean. He was driving back from Buffalo for the 19th time Mm -hmm. in the past two weeks, so he was not able to come. But we are seeing the 1975 again this week, and you will be there. Do you think uh, the 1975, specifically Matty Healy, knows what hockey is? No idea. And do you think they know what Buffalo is? I think that there's zero chance any of them know anything about hockey, but I think that Matty Healy would be hugely into hockey if he gave it a chance because he just likes chaos also what was that shot at buffalo you don't think they know anything about the greatest city on earth i think i think it's very much in play that none of the fellas be it maddie george who else is in the band no idea those are the two really the, who's the it was ross the bass player ross the, the, the tall bass player with the, the man hair. bun yeah. and uh, just got a great body on him um I, I don't really know what Buffalo is. Night. Unless they've played Buffalo, they probably don't know what Buffalo is. They're from across the pond. I didn't realize that until last night that the 1975 fans love Ross. Mm, I'm a George guy. I'm a George guy as well. I like George. He's got a nice way about him. but uh, He's the brains. The Yeah. Maddie was on one, and uh, the NHL world was on one. We'll give you some quick news that uh, the Hall of Fame, the inductions didn't happen, but the announcement was made a group headline by Henrik Lundqvist, Tom Barrasso, Mike Vernon, Pierre Turgeon, uh, Caroline Olette, Ken Hitchcock in there. Anybody that I missed, shout out them. Uh, the Leafs remain pretty galvanized. They got themselves another win. We'll talk Connor Bedard later in the show because friends of the podcast were bloody lovely this weekend. One of our comments was, you guys swear too much, so I'm trying to rein it in a little bit. 
But I do. I, I like how much. Uh, no, so the the swearing comments always always happen. No matter when we start a podcast, no matter when when I'm on a podcast, it's always like, "Hey, you swear too much." Yeah, and it's the the vibe of this show is I want to talk about hockey like we're a legend. <laughs> no, not at all. But I, like, it's I, not. Hey, this this ain't your grandpappy's <laughs> po- hockey podcast. Okay, take decorum, throw it right out the window. This is the most badass Fuckers. hockey podcast in the world. Throwing the bodies the around. Fuck. No, yeah. I, it's more just like this. It, I, this show is about how I talk about hockey with my pals mm-hmm. in a, a very loose manner. And so uh, whenever I'm on a podcast, I try to come off authentic, natural. And I, spoiler alert, I say the F word a whole lot yeah. in my day to day. So apologies if you think that we swear too much. We'll try to tone it down. Maybe, but like, I do like that you, nothing promised. You're leaning into the assholes. Uh, <laughs> you're leaning into the, uh, British slang. Yeah. Well, that's a problem. I've become a soccer guy and yeah. So I say bloody now and say things scran. like that. I do talk about scran a lot. Actually, you said we're going to see the 1975 yeah. uh, again. We're going to see the C word a lot, by the way, <laughs> we're going to see them <laughs> at, uh, Madison, Square Garden, and they have some scran there mm-hmm. that I'm so looking forward to getting. Specifically, they have a burger there that is just like your typical arena, just loaded with sodium burger, and I cannot wait to have it. We're gonna we're gonna go nuts. Actually, we have a we have a, a big guest tomorrow, and the last comment made by us correct it is underselling it the last comment made by us has a couple of swears in it and the interview ends with the guest laughing (laughs) at how uh vulgar it was and is like well said thank (laughs) you uh but we have a big guest today i don't know if you ever fire up hockey night in canada this is a global podcast we watch not only American hockey, That's right. but Canadian hockey. I will watch hockey featuring Canadian players, even. That's very brave of you. I'll do Canadian. I'll do Czech. I'll do Swedish. Buddy, I'll do Finnish. We're going to go north of the border, though, today and bring in our great friend, Elliot Friedman, who we had this discussion yesterday, I believe, there are a lot of nice people in hockey. Elliot's like a contender for possibly the nicest. Yeah. Uh, Ellen will be very glad that this is my first mention. We've gotten several episodes with the me out without me even mentioning Ellen. Ellen's getting into hockey by listening to this show as a favor to us. Ellen uh, is Pete's lover. My Yes, correct. My longtime girlfriend. Uh, she uh, is starting to get into hockey now just because she's like listening to this show and we were watching hockey night in Canada and Elliot came on the screen and I was like, Elliot is the nicest guy in hockey. And she was like, he looks like a nice guy. So there we go. Uh, well, we can't wait to talk to him, but it is Monday and people are pissed one person i know is pissed is uh what chaos is pete blackburn pete are you pissed i'm pissed why it's well number one it's monday (laughs) gotta be pissed that it's monday uh no because we we did a little unscheduled chaos on friday we sat around we're like jay woodcroft is definitely getting fired the oilers lost to the sharks he's gotta go 
we sat around. We were like, what happens if we if he doesn't get fired by the time we want to do the show? We got to do a show anyway because it's news that he didn't get fired. And then he gets fired two days later after a big win. Mm. That that pisses me off. And it also pisses me off for Jay Woodcroft. Never thought that I would look at Jay Woodcroft and be like, man, he's the victim here. Which, number one, he is the victim. Oh, I he, would. The Oilers... Did not deserve, he did not deserve to get fired for what happened to the Oilers to start this season. I think that we talked about it at length. They needed to do something, and the easiest thing to do was to fire Jay Woodcroft. But, man, I'd be pissed that you decide to fire me. They definitely decided to fire him. And I know that, like, it's courteous to wait until the end of a road trip That's and all that. Was, I think. But, man, if you decide to fire me, fire me. Don't make me go to work for two more days. But he got to do a Wolf of Wall Street. Which is... The I'm not fucking leaving? No. Oh, he's fucking leaving. <laughs> that's right. Uh, I was going to say, that's not accurate. He got to do the, like, it's the last time. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So he, like, the Oilers were like, hey, Jay, go out there, coach your ass off like it's the last time. And he was like, yeah. And they're like, all right, like it's the last time. And then Scott Hyman scores a hat trick. Scott Hyman? Uh, Scott, sorry, I have a friend named Scott Hyman. <laughs> Zach Hyman scores a hat trick. Jay Woodcroft is like, oh, that was amazing. Mm -hmm. And the Oilers were like, that was the last time. <laughs> That's so tough. May contain spoilers of uh, Wolf of Wall Street, if you haven't seen it before. But he got to get out on a high note. Is it a high note though? Like it just—I think so. It, I feel like it he's would make, a free agent on a winning streak. That's true. It would make me so much more mad to be like, "You made me go to work for a couple extra days, and I got like quite possibly the best possible result that you could ask for, and I'm still losing my job." Do you want your last game as a head coach? And I think you'll get another chance at some point. But do you want your last game as a head coach to be the Oil Shark Bowl? That you yeah. fucking lost? Yeah. Because that's ultimately the reason you got fired is because you lost that game. Yeah, but but the, you could you you have one more win on your resume. And he's he But the win doesn't matter. That's that's my point. Decision was made. It did not matter what happened in that game. He was obviously getting fired anyway. So just fire him after the, the Sharks game. Dave Manson also out, a chief assistant for the Oilers. Uh so Woodcroft had gotten off to a 3-9-1 start, which better than 2-9-1, which is how they started, but they got that win over the Kraken where like, they looked good. They looked like the Oilers. Worth noting, Stu Skinner has been good recently yeah. since they sent Jack Campbell down. Woodcroft went 79-41-13 with the Oilers, which was the fifth best record in the NHL during that time. He gets replaced by Chris Knobloch, head coach of AHL's Hartford Wolfpack, which is the affiliate of the Rangers. And you say, who's Chris Knobloch? I never heard of that guy. The bullet point is he was, and we have a full screen brought to you by Sean. He was the Erie Otters head coach in the OHL, coached Connor McDavid. And that's the big connection there. They get McDavid his guy, which when we have Elliot on, which will be a little after 1230, I'm going to ask him, like, your your claim to fame has to be something more than that, right? Like, developed Connor McDavid. Connor McDavid playing against people his own age, he was always going to eat and look incredible. So mm -hmm. I hope it's my, I hope he's shown something more than just 
whoa, he coached Connor McDavid. Yeah, I don't know too much about Knobloch. You know, nice preparation. No, no disrespect to this man. I don't know this man. Kiki Palmer. Uh, <laughs> Kiki Peter. Yeah, that's right. Um, but from what I've seen, he's been you know thrown around as a NHL head coach, head coaching candidate yes. for quite some time. So it's not like this is just out of nowhere. Let's get Connor McDavid's high school hockey coach and mm. see if that works. So, like, it seems like he's been ready to crack crack the biz, as they say, and make the jump. My big question is, like, obviously it is a very desirable job to coach Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. But, like, is this a good position? Is this a um, an ideal scenario for Chris Knobloch? Like, specifically here, because people are going to look at this as we're already making the connection as, like, this is McDavid's guy. So, like, uh, you know, did he get the job just because he's he coached McDavid yeah. and had success with that? Uh, and, like, is it a good spot because he has no room. He's never coached in the NHL before, and he has no real room to have growing pains with this Oilers team because they're already in such a deep hole. That is a good push. Sean, did that full screen say he, he, he doesn't have any NHL experience, right? Like no like assistant so. coach, he no video. The, the Flyers. Flyers. Uh, and coach. and okay. this was, I'll tell you, through 2019, they, they were starting to... 2019 into 2020, things were starting to look up for the Flyers. Still never been a head coach. He was the there NHL right level. at the end when they were good, when they were starting to look like they could eventually be good before shit hit the fan. So tell you what, it's a little, nice little feather in Chris Knobloch's cap. That's a good point, though, by you, that this is a team that ideally people will talk about come playoff time saying they've been playing playoff hockey for six months now, dating back to November. And as you were saying that, I was counting on my hand, like November, December, January, like all that they are going to have to hit the ground running to ideally get into a wild card spot. And yeah, no growing pains can't stumble out the gate. But and as we've seen, no, no coach can overcome bad goaltending and Stuart Skinner has been fine for the past couple games. Uh, but if the Oilers goaltending struggles continue, like this isn't going to fix that. They still need to make, a goaltending move. They still need, I think, for McDavid and Ekholm to kind of get right. Like mm -hmm. the Oilers, I'll probably say this a hundred times this show. The Oilers were oilery before Jay Woodcroft. They'll be oilery oh, long yeah. after Chris Knobloch is even gone. That is something that like the, I got the jersey behind it's in the me. DNA. You can't fire the jersey, though. <laughs> so, true. like, you had to do something. I do absolutely see Jay Woodcroft as a victim. But when you're a Stanley Cup favorite, like, a, like they were one of the favorites. And a lot of people's cool, sexy pick to win the Stanley Cup. I thought they were going to stumble out of the gate anyway. I didn't think they were going to stumble this bad. And I bet that the Oilers didn't want to do this. I oh, they definitely they didn't want to do this. I got, not like they didn't want to start poorly. Like, I bet they did not want to fire Jay Woodcroft. A, for the financial component of it. Not that Jay Woodcroft was probably making a ton of money because he was a first-time NHL head coach. But 
I think they thought he was a good coach, and I think he's a good coach. I, I mean, he it's crazy to think, but he only had one full season coaching the Oilers. And he was he, awesome. And he won playoff rounds in both of in both of the seasons that he brought him into the playoffs. So, Fucking Aiden Hill. Right. So, like, it's he he had to fall on the sword and had to get thrown under the bus, whatever term you want to put on it. But I, I think that they were kind of forced to fire him based off of the start. But... It, at the same time, he didn't deserve it. Both things, I think, can make sense in this case. We'll also ask Elliot about Ken Holland and, like, who is really pulling the strings here because Elliot has said on his podcast that Ken Holland, this is expected to be it for him. This is expected to be his last year. He's been doing it forever. Maybe he retires after this. So is it the Oilers CEO, Jeff Jackson? who's just making all the calls here. And I don't know his hockey acumen well enough to know if these are going to be the right calls. If you're the Oilers now with a new head coach, you think you're making a run here. Now are you open to trading things like your first round pick? If things get so bad, do you pull the plug on this season? And do you trade guys? Do veterans like Leon Dreisaitl want out? And if they do... Do you grant those kinds of wishes when you had such designs this year and long-term of doing great things? Lots of questions to be asked about the Edmonton Oilers. The Knobloch era, not to be confused with the Knobloch error. That's a baseball joke. Chuck Knobloch had the yips. (laughs) That's right. He liked to throw the ball into the stands. Are the Oilers going to have the yips, meaning... Well, they signed Brandon Yip. That's a hockey <laughs> reference. And maybe any relatives of Brandon Yip. There you go. Uh, the Knobloch era begins tonight. Yeah. Uh, who do the Oilers have tonight? I forget. They have the... Who do they have? That's a good question. We're love to ask Islanders. The Islanders, Islanders, that's right. In Edmonton. So that's one way to make an Islanders game exciting. Have we talked to any Islanders this show? No. I don't think so. What's I, the I feel like I'm allowed to make that joke because I did an Islanders podcast last week because they played the Bruins. I did an Islanders podcast last week, and they were like, does everybody think we're boring? And I was like, yeah, kind of. What? Is, so if that was the Oil Shark Bowl last year or last week when the Oilers played the Sharks, what is tonight's game between the Oilers and Islanders? There is a correct answer. Uh, Oil Island? It's the Griffin Reinhardt. Oh, game. Griffin Reinhardt Bowl. Famously, in the year that the Oilers picked Connor McDavid first overall, they also traded, I think, the 16th overall pick and the 33rd overall pick the to the Islanders for Griffin Reinhardt. The pick in the first they traded to the Islanders became Matt Barzal. Maybe Peter Shirelli's worst move ever, which is saying a lot. His best move ever was just fucking picking McDavid number one. A slept-on thing with Peter Shirelli in Edmonton is that he kept Leon Dreisaitl. That's because right. Teams because teams wanted him. The Canadians wanted him for P.K. P.K. Subban. Yeah, like, that wasn't the slam dunk. That, like, if somebody else might have come in and been like, I need to make my splash. I need to surround Connor McDavid with veterans. I'll trade this third overall pick from a year ago that I didn't make. Whatever. No one's going to be mad if he ends up being good. Peter Shirelli went, watched the hell out of Dreisaitl, loved him, held on to him. Traded Taylor Hall instead, mm-hmm. which not that bad a trade. Taylor Hall for Adam Larson, not that bad a trade. It was a bad trade. It was a bad trade, yeah. but 
for a guy that made a bunch of amazing trades and quite a few terrible trades, I don't think that it certainly didn't help that Taylor Hall won MVP in Jersey. Yeah, but even that, that was like the weakest MVP ever. It was ever. the weakest MVP win. Of, that was the weakest uh, MVP yeah, ever. That was tough. A wing on the Devils. Love the Devils. But, he, but it was like he had f- like 40 more points than everybody else on that roster, and they made the playoffs. He had to. Uh, by the way, if you're watching, we got a lot of people in the YouTube uh, comments right now. If you're watching live, thank you very much. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. If you're listening on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, when this comes out later... Please uh, subscribe on YouTube. We want to get those numbers up. Give but five stars. It helps so much. Smash the like button. That's right. Smash it, man. Free. Like it. It helps. It helps. And I, I say man to mean like y'all. Uh, Smash it, y'all. It helps us book guests when we say, "Hey, we're the number two hockey podcast on these charts. We want this guest." And then people say. Yes, but we have some killer guests this week. You are going to be thrilled with tomorrow's episode where we will unveil at least one amazing guest, possibly up to eight. And on Thursday, pretty much Tuesdays and Thursdays, we're going to have the big guests because on Mondays and Wednesdays, we'll be reacting to a hockey day because Tuesdays, Thursdays and Saturdays are the big hockey days schedule wise. Mm So uh, we're also going to be on location a little bit this week. So we'll be moving around tomorrow's episode. We're going to do late tonight, which will be great because we'll be reacting to the Oilers Islanders Griffin Reinhardt game. But tomorrow we're also going to have some great guests, but again, smash all those buttons. And uh, let me tell you about Olipop. Okay. Pete's sucking a little bit of it right now. I am. This first time ever doing the classic grape. How do you have the... Sean won't shut up about the yeah, grape. Yeah, that's my favorite flavor. That's... I like the grape a lot. Uh, I, uh, I'm i not a grape soda kind of guy, so I was surprised at how much I like this, and I do. I do like this a lot. I'm a big grape soda guy, and you were saying the only thing uh, that you don't like about it is... You were told it had more than five grams of sugar, and you really wanted a lot of sugar. But uh, sorry, folks, if you want a bunch of sugar making you feel lethargic throughout the day, Olipop, they're just too good for you because all of their flavors under less than, fewer than five grams of sugar. It's a soda that drinks like a soda, feels like a soda, and doesn't weigh you down. It's amazing. I keep saying it's a cheat code. Buddy, that's because it is. Use chaos at checkout on drinkolipop.com for 25... I've been saying it as a joke so long that now I'm actually saying it. For 20% off your next Olipop order. You can also find it in over 22,000 stores across the country, including Walmart, Target, and Whole Foods. They got the delicious flavors. It's a prebiotic soda. It makes you regular as heck. I'll tell you what. On Saturday, I didn't have any Olipop. And I was like, why don't I feel as good as I usually do? Because I hadn't had my cream soda. This guy was irregular. I was irregular. I didn't have my cream soda. I didn't have my lemon lime. I didn't have my root beer. I didn't have my classic cola. I just didn't have the things in my life that I wanted. So use the code chaos for 20% off your next order order on drink Olipop. I like that this has become our uh, like first recurring bit 
is that it's the read. It's the ad read. Uh, and we're getting a lot of people like sending us uh, pictures of them drinking Olipop. It, we, we are influencing. Our, in our podcasting career, we have made an impression with our reads. Mm-hmm. and Not always positive, but it seems like this one has been largely po- positive. No, no, no. Always positive on the listeners. On our Correct, last podcast yeah. brunch, we had to make some adjustments to how we did reads. And the listenership was not happy about it. <laughs> so we began doing fake reads, though. Famously, when you when you're uh, when you're given money to do reads for a company, you want to please the listeners more than the company. I'm a man of the people. That's right. Uh, one thing that I did want to talk about before we got Ellie on uh, was the Patrick Kane rumors are heating up. He's <laughs> supposedly rounding down his list, narrowing down his list of teams that he may sign with, and Decision may be coming in the next week or two. Uh, the Sabres, Red Wings, Panthers, and Rangers have been the most, the four most linked teams. My question is, you might think it would be, hey, where do you want to see him go? My question is, do you even care? If I'm interested in Patrick Kane and I don't get him, I lose exactly zero seconds of sleep. And I'm not trying to rag on Patrick Kane, but... You said the rumors are heating up. You know who else is heating up? Uh, Anybody in a room with Patrick Kane because he's probably like, can we turn the heat up in here because he's an old person? And That's terrible. I'm the same age as him, and I did the same thing. And We came into this room today, and I was like, I'm chilly. Yeah, I mean, it is cold in the studio. We we cranked the the heat up to 72, which is not cold in the studio. We're just old. No, it's cold in the studio. Sean's 25. He's I, cold. I was cold. My hands were cold. We were booking some travel arrangements. I had to get Sean's birthday. We didn't feel good seeing yeah. Sean's birthday. 1998, baby. Uh, 72 Whoa. degrees in the studio, which is... It seems high, but that's comfortable. At any rate... So the answer to you is no. You don't care where he goes. I do... I No, no, no. Like I, I am following along with the reporting, and I'm interested to see... Who gets him? I don't think that coming off uh, hip surgery at 35 years old, he can or should be counted on to be any sort of savior. There was like a little saviory stuff when he went to the Rangers mm-hmm. last year. And even then, I kind of felt that was a little misguided and unfair. He was okay with them, though. And he had he was solid last year. But Patrick Kane, I think at this point, is more of a name than he is yeah. a presence. I hope that wherever he goes, he's great, but you do have to consider he is a little long in the tooth and he is coming off a hip surgery. Yeah. It's, it's one of those situations where like I'm intrigued, but I'm not invested because I don't think that he's going to have that kind of impact. It would be still a big name, still a big draw. And I still think that he can absolutely help a team. He's just, I don't, I just don't know if I see him as like the guy who puts a team over the top anymore. Um, but I, I guess I'm more interested to see how good he is after the hip surgery, because it was clear that he wasn't right last year. And when he is right, he obviously can still score goals, can still impact a team offensively, defensively. You probably know what you're getting and it's not much. Um, but you know, I, I look at the, the list here of those four teams and two of them are a lot more exciting than the other two. The Sabres and Red Wings would be a lot more exciting 
than the Panthers or Rangers. Those are my exact two. Yeah. And I actually lean Red Wings. I I, I do too, because I think if he is right and you put him on that top line next to Larkin and Debrinkat, mm. hell yeah. Yeah. Give it to me. Especially with like him and him and Debrinkit as uh you know best buds. Maybe that's gotten overplayed. Here's the thing about them. They used to play together in the NHL. But they, they that continues to happen with Patrick Kane, where it's like, oh, he wants to go to New York to play with Panarin, their best friends. And now it's like, oh, he wants to go to Detroit and play with the Brinkett, their best friends. How many best friends are you allowed to have when it comes to like linking you with other teams? And like when you act long enough, you've been in movies with a few people. <laughs> right. If you know what I'm saying. Also, you know where he probably has a lot of best friends? Buffalo, New York, the city that he's from. I don't know if he does. Yeah, I don't know yeah, if he does. Fair. It depends <laughs> no. on what, which industry. <laughs> that was in that was in Buffalo, right? Yeah, the cab yeah, thing. Yeah, people don't take taxis anymore. It's fine. Uh, I'll tell you what. A little pro tip. Uh, shout out friend of the podcast, Abby Chin. Uh, did like a get ready with me thing, like a day in the life, and she was traveling, and she was like, a little pro tip: when I leave the airport, I take a cab. Same. It's I, easier it, and, and sometimes cheaper. If I'm ever in like a uh, in need of an Uber situation, which is less and less because I haven't been drinking and uh, so I drive everywhere. I'm a big street parking guy. It's a blast. Uh, but if I go to like a concert or a Celtics game or something like that, I'm a big fan of walk outside, grab a cab. No one's thinking to do it. You negotiate with them. They're a little mean to you sometimes, but that's kind of part of the charm there. And as long as you're not pulling any Patrick Kane stuff, it's a nice time. I would much rather my driver be a little mean to me than be overly friendly. Hmm. There's also something about cab seats that just, you know, they're just like horrible. Yeah. But like, I, I, I like that. It's, it's like an old comfy couch. It's, it's like it's been worn in. It's not pissed on most yeah, of the time. Yeah. It's not your everyday vehicle. <laughs> It's just got like a bit of a it's tarp a on experience. it. There's nothing yeah. better than when you have too many people and then someone has to sit up front with the cab driver because that's like the worst moment of their entire life as yeah. far as the cab driver is concerned. I, I take cabs if you can. <laughs> it's not a bad time. Unless you're Patrick Kane. Uh, so, Sean, you're a Sabres guy. I am a huge Sabres guy. You want Patty Kane? Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's the one team that like if he, even if he's not... Uh, all that on the ice like it's the one team that serves to benefit a lot just from Patrick Kane being back home and being a Buffalo Saber like from just a narrative standpoint. yeah ticket sales jersey sales like people if Patrick Kane jerseys Patrick Kane Sabres jerseys would fly off the shelves in South Buffalo yeah I believe that it's, those are some good jerseys too yeah but, but I mean you know he's got a, a good list of jerseys in there Pat Kane Red Wings jersey would also slap mm, yeah uh, what kind of impact do you think he will make on the Ilya Kovalchuk scale of in-season veteran signings? I put veteran in air quotes to mean like towards the end of their career, at the end of their career. What do you mean? Like what kind of impact? Like I'm trying to think of recent guys who are like those mid-season Roger Clemens additions that's like they'll join on probably, I don't know what, Kane's getting money-wise. I'm assuming it'll just be like one year, one million, something cheap. He's probably doing it more for love of the game at this point of like, is he coming in to be 
a like, real stud or is it a we're going to bring him in and just kind of see how things shake out? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I'm I, I'm honestly surprised that it doesn't happen more where a guy kind of waits out the first couple of months to see what team is posi- positioning itself better. Um, I think most of the time guys will sign one year deals with uh, with like crappy teams, knowing that they'll be traded to oftentimes a team of their choosing um, mid season. But I'm I'm kind of surprised that like older dudes don't sit out the first couple of months. Maybe it's just because they they like playing so much that they don't want to burn uh, a month or two of hockey. But I, I just I, I don't think that it's going to happen all that often. Yeah. Uh- we also, uh, Sean, was that a sound? We is heard a good sound. sound. All right. Do we have Elliot? We have Sir Elliot. Whoa. Joining hey. us now. Oh, my goodness. There he is from Hockey Night in Canada. And most importantly, the What Chaos podcast. <laughs> it is Elliot Friedman. I don't hear him. That's unfortunate. Shit. <laughs> we don't hear you. We're crushing it. We're going to get you. Do we hear you? Elliot, start talking about the movie Chinatown until we can hear you. Uh, okay, now I think you can hear me. Oh, yes. Yeah. There it is. Elliot okay, Friedman from Hockey Night in Canada. Another podcasting savant. Uh, we don't want to take up too much of your time, but first of all, we love you. Second of all, how did the Oilers make this decision on Jay Woodcroft, one that they probably didn't want to have to make? Well, first of all, before I address that, I just wanted to wish the two of you guys uh, good luck. Um, like, I, I watched a lot last week. You guys came up with some great stuff. And uh, I think the more good hockey content out there, the better, the better everybody is. So I just want to wish you guys the best. I really enjoyed watching some and listening to some of the stuff last week. Listen, You're so we, nice. I don't know if you caught the first half of the show, but we already spent enough time talking about how nice you are. Let's talk about <laughs> the Oilers. Okay, all right. It's sure. very nice, though. We appreciate you. No worries, guys. Uh, you know, look, I, I think, guys, you know, sometimes I, I use this line with Merrick today on his radio show. Sometimes you di- dictate your circumstances and other times your circumstances dictate you. And this is what happened. B is what happened here. The Edmonton Oilers cannot afford a bad season. There's too much on the line. They're expecting to win. Leon Dreisettle's got one year left on his contract. Connor McDavid's got two. If these guys are going to be happy and you're going to ensure that they're going to re-sign there, you have to, they have to be convinced you can win. Like the, uh, We did an interview with Dreisaitl right before the season, and I, and I said, what's your future? And he said, oh, I knew this one was coming. And he says, look, like right now we're a good team. Everybody here wants to win, and everything we do is about winning. So that says to me, as long as he feels that that's the case, he's good. Now you start 3-9-1. You're sinking, even though they had the big win the other night. I think the And now also you have the added change of – Jeff Jackson kind of taking over this team. Ken Holland's in the last year of his deal. It's it's Jeff Jackson's organization now. And I think they just said, we cannot afford for this to continue. We cannot allow this year to be a flop. And even with Jay Woodcroft's really good record, they said, we're out of runway and we got to turn this around. You mentioned keeping McDavid and Dreisaitl happy. And there was the Jeff Jackson, Ken Holland split at the press conference where there seemed to be a little whether it was disagreement or not on the same page about how we're going to answer whether the players were had input here. How much input do you yeah. think that the players had in the coaching decision? 
You know, Pete, I, I think I think two things can be true. That number one, that you can ask the players what's going on, but it doesn't necessarily mean that the players just had like this is a the cane mutiny at sea or anything like that. I I I don't believe that that is the case here. Like I'll tell you this, like one of the things I heard on the weekend was that the Oilers were calling like uh, like like player agents and things like that are saying, is there anything wrong with this guy? He's not playing well. Like, you know, we want to get him to play better. Um, is there something we're missing here? And that, that does happen. Like I have heard, like I remember Kelly Rudy telling me that one of the reasons he thought his agent was most important for him was not negotiating contracts, but because sometimes when he was going through a bad stretch, the agent would call, uh, or the GM would call the agent and say, is there anything I'm missing here in Kelly's life that's the reason he's kind of struggling a bit right now? And so do I think they talk to the players? Absolutely. Do I think they ask their opinion? Why are things going wrong? Absolutely. Do I think that McDavid or Dreisaitl or anybody said, get rid of this coach? I, I don't believe that. I think this was Jeff Jackson's call. I think he was the person who decided that we have to do this. And the other thing is Jeff Jackson, going back to his days as a player agent, he's been talking up Chris Knobloch for a decade. You know, he had a lot of guys play for Chris Knobloch at Erie on the Ontario Hockey League. When I talked to him uh, about when he was an agent and sometimes coaching vacancies would come up, he would say, like, you should be talking up Chris Knobloch. I think he's a really good coach. So yesterday when the change came and the word began to seep out, it might be Knobloch. I wasn't surprised in the least. Now, do I think it helps that he's a guy who coached McDavid before and Connor Brown before and guys like that? Absolutely. But do I think that Connor McDavid was beating down the door and saying, bring in Chris Knobloch? No, I don't believe that. I don't think that's McDavid's way. Is Jackson going to tie any hands behind Ken Holland's back when it comes to like, what's his MO going to be? Is it going to be, all right, we're going for broke now, or is it going to be, all right, our decision maker is in his last year. Don't trade any first round picks. Don't do anything that's going to potentially hurt us down the line. Like, are they more inclined to sell out or sit back and be cautious? I, you know, DJ, they were making, they were making a ton of calls last week. They were up and down the league about let's do this. Let's try this. What are you guys interested in? And the one thing I think they both agreed on was, you know, we are a little desperate. We are calling teams from a position of weakness. And it's as you guys have probably negotiated for things in your life, like when you're in that position, you got to be really careful what you say yes to. I think the Oilers were willing to do some things that they thought might be a bit desperate, but they had a line. And basically what I heard was that teams told them, we'll do this if you're willing to do this. And this made them, it was bad. I think it would have been bad for the Oilers. And they just said, we're not going that far. Now, do I think they're desperate to turn this around? Yes, that's why we had a coaching change yesterday. Do I think they are refusing to punt on this season? Like, I think internally they've tossed around things like the 2019 Blues. Sorry to bring that one up, uh, Pete, while you're wearing that yeah. Bruins sweatshirt. Much appreciated. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, the 2019 Blues, I think they're talking about the Panthers last year. Like, they want to turn this around. Look, as you said, DJ, Holland's in his last year. I think Jackson, yesterday showed that Jackson is taking over as the new power broker of the Oilers organization, and he's going to have the ultimate say. 
I think Holland's going to continue to do the legwork on things and like be a part of uh, be an important part of the organization. But I think this is now Jackson's call. And if last week told us anything, they're not doing anything they think is ridiculously stupid. Uh, let me let me ask you this: How much does this reset the clock on panicking? Uh, the coaching change, like if they lose a couple more games, should we expect a trade? Should we expect more more sort of waves in Edmonton? I think that's a great question, uh, a really good question. Um, I, I don't think it resets the clock. Honestly, Pete, they're out of runway. You know, I joke that teams have five stinkers a year that you have to accept. They got no room for any more stinkers. Like their stinker vault is all used up. They they have to they have to win games now. They can't afford this anymore. Um, again, I think they're in a position where they're really trying to avoid doing anything stupid. I think if they, I think it was all out make a trade no matter what. They could have done it last week. If they start losing more games in a row, I guess that could change. But. Look, the fact that a guy who's got a 68 winning percentage coming into this year got fired 13 games into the season, I think it shows you just how important this year is for the Oilers. I mean, also, if the Oilers were trying to not do things that are stupid, they're like 15 years behind on, on that. <laughs> You're just saying you, you, you can't fire the jersey, though. Like, you, you can't fire the fact that they're the Oilers, and they were oilery before. I just said this to Pete. They're going to be oilery long after... Dry saddle, Connor McDavid, long after all of us are gone, the Oilers will be a chaotic team because it's just what they are. You brought up the 2019 Blues, which we'd kicked that around like right when the season started and they started stumbling of if things get bad enough, do they end up in this situation? Here's what the 2019 Blues had, though. Strong mm-hmm. down the middle, which the Oilers mm-hmm. obviously are. They had some studs on defense, which maybe some questions there. And they eventually got good enough goaltending. Are the Oilers, whether it's uh, Stuart Skinner becoming a lot better, and he actually has played better of late, or Campbell finding his way, or, and I know that you were talking about them making a lot of calls, doing something in the trade market, are they going to figure out the goaltending position? Because that seems like the biggest remaining domino to fall. Well, they have to, DJ. Like, and, and the 2019, that was Bennington. Bennington mm-hmm. coming alive and going on the biggest heater of his career settled everything else. Like, as good as their defense was, and it was good, and as good as they were with O'Reilly and everybody down the middle, they aren't winning anything or going anywhere if Bennington doesn't find his game. So somebody in net has to find their game. They, they, you, look, like, now, I will say this. Aside from Saturday night, they, they have not been good in front of their goalies. I know the goalies get all the blame, but they are leaking chances. You can tell by the eye test. You can also just tell by looking at the underlying numbers. They are leaking chances. And the, you have to get better in front of them. You know, the other thing there, too, is that, and this is something that uh, someone pointed out to me, there's a lot of goalies that are going to have Edmonton on their no-trade list. Like, that... <laughs> You know, like that, like that's another problem here. And I don't know that that happened last week, but I think it's a factor. You know, like, you know, that's what someone said to me. They said, you know, you're talking about all these goalies. Edmonton's going to do this. They can go get Allen. They can go get Gibson. They can go get Soros. They can go get whoever said, how many of these guys are going to say, I'm not going up there. Or you're going to have to convince me to go up there. 
that's another challenge that the Oilers face here. What about Mackenzie Blackwood, who they saw last week? And yeah, I mean, I watched him against the Flyers last week. And granted, I'm not watching every single one of their games, but he's looked like a real find. Do they go out and call San Jose? You know, I have to say this, DJ, I was thinking about Blackwood. And first of all, I think you absolutely should make the phone call. I don't think you're doing your job if you don't make the phone call. But, you know, first of all, it's not all on Blackwood. His game, he's had some wild games this year. Like games where his save percentage has been like 950 and games where his save percentage has been like 400. Like it, it is a wild, wild swing. That's perfect for the Oilers. Right. That's how the rest of the team plays too. That's, that's pretty funny. Um, Sometimes, but, yeah, <laughs> that is really funny. But sure. you know, like, so you know, the thing about Blackwood is he's got the talent. He's a really talented guy. Um, I, I just think that you know, to me, it would depend on the cost. If it, if it wasn't a high cost, I would think about it. But because of everything like Blackwood's been through the last couple of years and. Like, he should have been the New Jersey Devils goalie for a long, long, long time. Like, you think where he was a few years ago, if he continues in that trajectory, New Jersey, you might people might be picking them to win the Stanley Cup. But it went sideways. The relationship went bad. I, You know, I always think that it's like a breakup, right? Like, half of it's on the team and half of it's on the player. And I would look into Blackwood, but I really want to do a deep dive into everything that happened and – is he a hundred percent dependable? And I think if you thought the answer was yes, yeah, he's definitely a guy I would take a shot on. Uh, do you mind if I switch gears from the Oilers? Or you Kane? have anything anything left? Uh, you have a million Oilers. I have, questions, I have a million but Oilers no, questions, but we, we can't we keep can you all day. We can retire the Oilers. Uh, we just ended up talking about Patrick Kane a little bit. Do you uh, yeah. do you have any nuggets to feed us with Patrick Kane and when that decision might be coming and who it might be with? I think that, uh, like I said, I think it's whittling down. Um, I, I think there's, uh, I think what he wants to do is get it down to between two and four teams and then decide, you know, how he's going to pick them. Um, is he going to go visit? Is anyone going to come visit him? Is it just going to be Zoom calls? Um, I, I think those are, and I think the other thing too is what does he want? Does he want a one-year deal or does he want a, like a two or three-year deal? And I think if it's if it's like a multi-year deal, like the team that really stands out to me is a team like Buffalo, because Buffalo can do it. They've got the cap room to do it. And also the other thing is obviously he knows he knows Buffalo better than anybody else. So if, if he like I know like there, I know that one of the things that's been discussed is do you go for somewhere for a year, try it out, and decide if you like it. Now Kane's got a, a young family. I, I think. I think at times he's expressed preference that he'd rather have a multi-year deal so he doesn't have to move his family around as much. Um, but I know others have said to him, why don't you, like, to me, like the team that has been, I think, the most aggressive is Florida. I, I think they have been on Kane since July 1st, reaching out and saying, come here, come here, come here. And I think the one thing that helps a team like the Panthers is, Kane wanted to wait during the season, A, to get healthy, but also to be who's good. And the Panthers have actually been better than I think a lot of us predicted they were going to be. They don't have a ton of money. It's it's not going to be a big number, but I think they want to convince him that he can help them win. Um, I think to me, though, if he wants something longer term and, you know, Buffalo, it's romantic. 
He knows Kevin Adams. Um, he Kevin Adams was his first roommate, took care of him his rookie year. That's where Kane would go for dinner. I've been told not to discount that relationship. I think Detroit is in there too, but uh, I know Florida's been aggressive, and I know Buffalo is the one that can do a bit more term, and it's the most romantic situation. So those are the kind of ones I take a look at. I think, the, I think also the Carolina's been around there a bit, but I just don't know if that's going to happen. Carolina, we, we seems, do a romantic podcast, yeah, so we that's, are. We're, we're pulling for Buffalo then. Carolina's a weird one to me. Like They, it, they seem pretty good on the right side. <laughs> They are, but I just think they love good players. And, you know, what was the reason they lost to Florida last year? They couldn't score, right? Mm. So, like, I, I could see a team looking at that and saying, Patrick King could probably help us with a big goal or two in the postseason. Uh, last, although I do want to ask, like, 400 more Oilers questions. Uh, last <laughs> question. As you have consumed the podcast, and we appreciate your kind words, you know, like, we've kind of targeted guests and players who – fit the dry, irreverent thing we go for. You know the league better yep. than anybody. Who do you think we should have on this podcast? Oh, that's a that's a great question. Give us uh, like a player. Gary. Yeah. You know, I, I, I got to tell you, I think, uh, I think I'll, I'll say this. I did an interview with Chris Tanner this week, and I, I asked him, like, who are some of the players who have great personalities that should be shown more? And his first answer was Quinn Hughes. And he said that wow. if you talk if you talked hockey with Quinn Hughes, he could talk forever. And uh, I kind of have seen that in small bits. I think you guys talking hockey with Quinn Hughes, I think he'd be a, a great. I think he'd be a great guest. And and lead him in with before you ask him what musicals he likes. Lead him in with the with the hockey first, okay? Like, and then you'll get comfortable. I I think I've heard Quinn Hughes on hockey is is terrific stuff. Okay, we're we're, we're more the musicals type, yeah. but we could get to some hockey. With My him, favorite thing about Quinn Hughes is that he always looks like he's at the end of his rope. Yeah, like, yeah. and even in a year where he looks like he's like a lock to win Norris, he still looks like he's miserable. He's the there. hockey version of Ben Affleck with a cigarette. <laughs> that is so true. <laughs> You know, I have to say this too, and I, I'm sure you guys know him, but I bet you you guys in Yandel would be good too. Oh, I so uh, oddly, despite like the Boston thing and when I was uh, around hockey more, never met Yandel, but I bet he'd be great. Oh, he's, a, he's a hilarious guy. You guys mm -hmm. would have fun with, you guys would have fun with him. All right. Well, if you, nope. if you can actually get him to answer a text message, you know, that'll be as big a victory in itself. <laughs> Ah, well, there's no one we have more fun with than the great Elliot Friedman. We appreciate you for hopping on. Yeah, thank you so much. All right, guys. Continued success, guys. Well, All right, well, thank, thank you, you very much. World, appreciate guys. it. Bye-bye, Elliot. 32 Thoughts podcast. He's the best. Hockey Night in Canada. He's on Twitter. X, it's also known. He's also an incredible dresser. He, he has great style. He, I mean, he looked great with the facial hair, the mm -hmm. whole thing. Amazing. Uh, what stood out to you in that conversation, Peter? Uh, I mean, the uh, really kind of the, uh, the I don't want to get stuck on the Patrick Kane thing, but like Patrick Kane getting term in Buffalo would be kind of wild to me. I'd, I'm glad that he brought up that there's a possibility he also like wants a real contract because that's always annoying. Uh, who is, uh, damn, who got bought out? 
the matching contracts with Zach Parise, uh, Ryan Suter. R- Ryan Suter. Yeah. He gets bought out, and everyone's like, oh, man, he'd be such a great fit for so many teams. And then it turned out he wanted, like, a real contract with real money. And I was mm-hmm. like, ah, oh, fuck, this is, well, now my team can't get him. <laughs> right. Uh, I, know, I mean, if, if there ever, ever it was a cautionary tale, right. He's not, not doing so hot in Dallas. Well, I'll tell you who is doing hot friends of the podcast, That's right. because they are going off Frank Vetrano, two more goals yesterday and an assist against the sharks. He's up to 11 goals on the season. Uh, I mean, come on the podcast. Do you end up doing well? More and more people are saying, by the way, Greatest American goal scorer alive. It's a real buzz about it. Connor Bedard, more goals over the weekend. Don't even know how many. I just know that in total, he's up to nine goals, 13 points in 13 games. He's a point of game player in his rookie year. I was kind of feeling this before the season anyway, and I'm ready to lock in, which is what what is, I think, a ridiculous take. I think that by the end of the season, I will not be an asshole for saying that Connor Bedard is like the second best player in the NHL. I don't know if I, the I numbers don't if, won't be there, but I think that we'll be like, yeah, McDavid is obviously the best and Bedard is already in the conversation for like the next best player. I think given how much media attention has been paid to Connor Bedard and like how tired people got of it very quickly. Not it, from us though. Not they from liked us, ours. for sure. No, uh, it, it says a lot that, People, I'm seeing more and more people be like, oh, so this kid like was worth the hype. And I, I don't know how many people questioned it who have been paying attention to Connor Bedard any any closely at all, because like all the signs were there that he's the legit, but like to see him scoring the way that he's scoring this early on a team this bad is really impressive. He had the crazy angle goal, and that was great, but he had another goal over the weekend. Yeah. Where he changed changed angles on the break and got that release off just on a rolling like puck. It was far unbelievable. Side, like he is an insane goal scorer, yes. and obviously he's going to be a great player. But like right now, he's one of the best goal scorers in the league. Yeah, he has one of the best releases, one of the best shots in the league, and that's I I, I was confident that was always going to be there. I was less confident about. Um, Sort of how how I guess confident he's playing. Like right. you mentioned, he goes to the tough areas in his very first game. I love it. Yes, and he he just seems like he kind of has that swag. I liked the uh, like, are you not entertained? Shrug yep. after scoring that goal over the weekend. Like he's done that a couple times already. He he's the real deal in in basically all facets. Kevin Korchinski also scored his first That's NHL right. goal recently. A stud, stud. I want to talk about Alexi Lafreniere. He ties the game with the blue against the Blue Jackets with 11 seconds left, and then scores the game winner in the shootout. Uh, obviously, a player first overall pick, 2020. Not quite busty, but Ooh. a little like You're busty. Not quite what you want over He's your on first bus over- watch. He was on bus watch. Is a good way of putting it. Yeah. He's a little busty. <laughs> Just a little busty. Cue the Photoshop. A little busty, busty of a player. Lafreniere. AI. Let's get in the chat GPT. <laughs> what would Alexi a- Lafreniere look like if he was a little more busty? But they'd say we can't make celebrities. So you'd say, give me a doppelganger. Give me a busty version yeah. of a... He's playing right wing now, I think. But like a first overall pick, wing. Anyway, he's up to 11 points in 13 games. 
He's never had more than 39 points in a season. He's playing on the second line. He's there with Panarin, which helps. That'll help most of the time. Trocek. But are we on, uh, he's on bust watch. Is he on breakout season watch? He could be. I think he very well could be on breakout season watch. I mean, if he keeps coming up with, uh, with big goals, it's a good way to, it's a good way to get it done. I also think that it, it's probably helping him at this point that Kako, also on bus watch, two points in, I think, 13 games to start this season. He's like a bus watch headliner. It kind of has been. They, they've, like, they've been tied together on bus watch for years at this point where it's like these guys, they got to get one of them to have a breakout season. Kako is is still struggling. I still think that problem. Larry David low key cursed Kako when he was like, "Why do you bench Kako? Why do you bench Kako?" Right, because that always does happen with young players where there's like, "Oh well, if you just played him more, and if you just did this, then like what?" And I feel that way a lot. Like when I was covering the Bruins, they did not develop a lot of young players, and they would bring guys up for a cup of coffee, and they'd just be okay. And you'd be like, "Well, why don't you just like tell them, hey, you're gonna play on the second line." all week just go out there and don't think and in a lot of cases the players just weren't very good i think that this kind of is that with kako where like larry yeah, david, not very good this was years ago but like where larry david's like don't punish him for getting a penalty just like let him feel good about his game and everything he like he's like on bust watch i mean you're allowed to feel good about your game when you play a good game that's right. You know, so I, I just hope that I hope that for the sake of the Rangers, one of those guys works out and has a breakout season because I mean, I always hate to see guys bust. Yeah. Do with that what you will. Uh, always hate to see guys bust. Uh, but I mean, to have two at the same time, it's regular, it's, it's, it's important to stay regular folks. Mm. Uh, so hope one of them works out and m- maybe. Lafreniere is benefiting from Kako's slump. Maybe Kako's benefiting from Lafreniere breaking out. Maybe Lafreniere is busting out. Bust or busting. That's a new segment. Take a uh, player who has been a disappointment at points, and we say, are they a bust or are they about to bust? (laughs) Oh. Busting makes me feel good. Busting makes players feel good when they're busting out. That's, right. That's about as raunchy as I think either of us should let this show get. Uh, uh, Sean, your ears perked up when we said Kako. Do you have a, a, a Kako take? No, no. I thought you were like, no, oh, he, finally. I, I, think the, I think it was more the busting that got me. Yeah, you're here. just like, I think they're going to start saying busting a bunch. So I'm just <laughs> yeah. uh, about to lean in and make the, noises to cover it up. Are you on the bussin train? Bussin? Yeah. Like, do I like to say bussin? Yeah, you, you did for a while, didn't you? Uh, yeah, I say bussin. I'll yeah. say things are busting. Bustin' or bustin'. Uh, but that kind of ch- twists the bustin'. Mainly I was saying bustin' a lot once I saw the amazing mockumentary Theater Camp. There's mm-hmm. a character named Troy. And he says stupid words like bustin' a lot. I like that you said, are you on the bussin' train? Yeah. It's a very vehicular Oh, that's sentence. true. Yeah, yeah, I didn't even think about that. That was uh, uh, amazing. Let's do our three stars and kind of sh- speaking of... Boston kind of shot my wad with Mackenzie Blackwood Jesus was going to Christ. make him a star and say, do we see him get traded at some point? But we already discussed that with Elliot. Thank you to Elliot. So I'm going to give a star to Roman Chekmonic, the goat died this weekend at age 52. Uh, for those people who are a little younger than me, he was a goaltender for the Philadelphia Flyers. He got drafted when he was 29, came in, was a Vezina finalist in his rookie year, 
was just insane for three years with the Flyers. Great regular season goaltender. I think he was, uh, I believe, yes, second in goals against average during the time that he played, which was three years with the Flyers in the early 2000s and one year with the Kings. Really bad playoff performer, had the nickname Chokemonic. Was awesome, though. Was just an awesome player for the short time that he had in the league and uh, died at 52 over the weekend, which is a major bummer. I saw the Flyers were very sad about his loss. And I think that Flyers fans hopefully should look back on his time fondly because he was such a fun player in the time that he played. Yeah, my star this week, uh, this is a hockey show. But I'm going to expand that to field hockey. Nice. The Watertown, Massachusetts field hockey team is on is currently on one of the most dominant runs that you will ever see in sports anywhere. The number somebody told me about this over the weekend. It was the first that I had heard about it. This is insane. The Watertown uh, high school field hockey team, twenty and zero this season. They've won seventy three state straight games. And they have 40 straight shutouts. They have not given up a goal in 40 games. And they're about to play in the Massachusetts D3 semifinals this week against Sandwich. Their Sandwich is also 20-0-1. So big game. But uh, Eileen Donahue's Watertown Red Raiders, or are they just the Raiders now? They were the Red Raiders when I was growing up. All right, so Watertown Raiders, maybe... Red, uh, heading towards uh, a perfect season with 40 straight shutouts. So Unbelievable. My takeaway from that is... They the, absolutely let up a goal on Wednesday, right? No. After I said that. Get them the hell out of D3. Yeah, I know. How I, are they I in cannot, D3 if they're just eating that hard? If they're 20-0 and 0 this season and have 40 straight shutouts, that means that they more than likely haven't given up a goal in like two straight seasons. You got to promote them at some point. When I played uh, youth hockey, I was in, uh, I believe it was squirts. We, I was, I was on the squirt bees mm-hmm. and our squirt B team was incredible. I had a million goals because everyone had a million goals. We were uh, the only thing that we didn't practice. We just practiced breakouts. So we were the only squirt B team that knew how to get the puck out of their zone. And like we did it cleanly. And the other team was like, oh, what the hell is this? (laughs) And we smoked every team we played. And our thing was a lot of us had chips on our shoulder because this was my second straight year. You play two years in each like level. My first year of squirts. I made the B's. Mm-hmm. Second year, I was hoping to make the A's. I made the B's again. Yeah. I was real bummed. A bunch of us were in that boat. Yeah. And there were a lot of young players who thought they were going to make the A's. They made the B's. We had this dominant team, and our whole thing was like, we want to play the our hometown's squirt A's. We want to prove that we're better than it's, that it's team. It's the, uh, can Bama beat the worst team in the NFL? Right. So we <laughs> arranged, we finally, and the coach was like, hey, it's not about that. We arranged... A team, uh, we arranged a scrimmage against the A's. Half of the team for the A's showed up because they gave it no thought. This was our <laughs> Super Bowl. 
and they fucking smoked us. <laughs> That's the best. It was amazing. We were like, we are too good for like, well, they did eventually change our schedule. So we were playing against more A teams because we were just killing teams. Yeah. But it was very funny. I think you got to, I mean, you either have to promote Watertown's uh, field hockey team or uh, Eileen Donahue has to go coach somewhere else. She is clearly too good of a coach. Edmonton? To, oh, that's a good call. They could use some defense. Or uh, Hartford. Hartford Wolfpack just lost a coach. But if I'm Eileen Donahue, I'm like, I don't get out of bed for yeah, anything, less, anything less than the Oilers. Right. <laughs> Uh, well, who could be the next coach fired? We're not rooting for that in the NHL, but mm, I don't think that anybody is really right now on fire watch. No, uh, DJ Smith, maybe. I think that once he survived Sheldon Keefe. Yeah. (laughs) Get, get Eileen to Toronto. Donahue coaching the Leafs. That would be the fire up the rumors. I would be the biggest Leafs fan. If we got the Don coaching yeah. beliefs if uh i don't want to i don't want to mush them so maybe we'll wait until after the season uh but eileen donahue come on the come on this podcast smash every button you can we're trying to get quinn hughes on to talk about watertown field hockey yes that would be amazing <laughs> uh tomorrow we will have at least one amazing guest speaking of shutouts wink 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 you're gonna to want to listen to it it's gonna be fantastic we've got some great stuff we're working on this week for sean for peter i'm dj we'll talk to you soon let's hug